This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Anderson Quantity Surveying. Based in Aberdeen but working throughout Scotland and beyond with almost 20 years experience in the construction industry, AQS specialise in all aspects of cost budgeting and control on construction projects. Whether you're embarking on a domestic or commercial refurbishment, extension or new build, AQS can provide you with budget cost plans, tender documentation, contractor comparison reports and cost management tools for use throughout the construction phase of your project. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk It's Wednesday, and you know what that means? Welcome to episode 40. It's the big 4 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, as always, it's Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? Of course, when you hit 40 in football, that's generally speaking the time when you have to throw in the towel and call it a day, isn't it? Generally, probably about five years before that, I suppose. <laughs> there we go. I'm very well, thank you. I've played a couple of gigs up north in, in Forest and Thurso. There is a nightclub in Thurso. Well, let me rephrase that. The nightclub in Thurso <laughs> is the most amazing nightclub I've ever been in. Really? Because they have, you walk in and where like usually they'd probably be like a cloakroom or like a ticket room, they've stripped it all out and they've put a kitchen in there. So they've nice. basically got a chipper within the club. Tomorrow I'm just going to be like going out everywhere in Aberdeen suggesting you need to get on this fucking license to print money here you can tell the folks who are too young to remember amadeus that had at least one sizzlers within the 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 building this is not a new thing this is not a new thing but a welcome addition it might not be a new thing but it is an a new thing in my world and it is definitely not something happens in aberdeen and yeah i'm gonna be the one that brings it to it screw this podcast game that's where i'm getting getting in the nightclub scene (laughs) i love it in a week oh she say Graham, not with us this week. He's skiving. Uh, he's on holiday, apparently, which means he can't which means he can't attend for some reason. Uh, I'm on holiday as well, but I've still managed to, to make myself available, but never mind. Driven five hours from Thursday today. <laughs> just saying. Just, just saying. Just saying. Where, uh, where is Graham? Do we know? I've no idea. No idea. No got a clue. Uh, but hey, there we go. In a week that saw the departure of Jumbo Jet from Terminal 1, Cormac Aerodrome, that saw Joe Newell put up a strong case in the competition to see just who is the biggest idiot in the Hibs dressing room, that saw Derek McInnes' side take an almighty wobble at the business end of the season, who'd have thunk it, and that saw the Aberdeen Twitter admin ensure that we're all aware of his political affiliations. Fuck the Tories! It's another packed episode of the ABZ. FP, as we take some time to look at our post-split fixtures and the way that they fall, in some more detail, we're going to preview Saturday's visit of Livingston alongside Jake from the Almond View podcast. We'll check in on the women's team and their narrow defeat against Hearts in SWPL1. We'll take our regular look at the Lonies in Lone Watch and our young team. And after the break, it's the return of our series of interviews with Don's personalities of past and present this week. 
It's part one of our conversation with a man who eventually signed for Aberdeen in the summer of 2006, who went on to make 145 appearances in red, scoring 33 goals. It's the finest groomed player we've spoken to to date. It's Lee Miller. But first, Monday saw the release of our post-split fixtures, and it's a thrill a minute in the lower half of the globe with the Dons drawn to visit St. Johnston and Hibs for the second time this season away from home. Home fixtures against Livingston, Dundee and St. Mirren guaranteeing the Dons will finish with an even split of 19 home and 19 away games this campaign. Gav, any thoughts at all you want to provide us with how the games themselves have landed? Not to imply that I'm poorly prepared, but could you refresh my memory on how the fixtures have landed? So we open with Livingston at home, Dundee at home, away to Hibs, away to St. Johnston, finishing up with a home fixture against St. Mirren. I mean, it's, it's inspiring, isn't it? Not really. Hopefully, we've been, we've been dreadful on the road all season. We've been fortunate to have two wins. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Uh, we've, we've been fortunate to have the two wins we have. So um, home ties with Livingston and Dundee first up, hopefully, will give us the opportunity um, to put to bed any lingering fears, doubts about being dragged into that 11th position battle. So yeah, with that being said, hopefully there's enough there that we can get four, six points on the board and Rest easy, rest of the season, and we can then really look forward to, to next season. Yeah, I think that's probably all there is to say about it. I, I know that there's loads of people who talk about anyone who considers that we might get dragged into a relegation playoff spot as being way too pessimistic. I, I, I really don't agree with people who have that view. I think that with the way our season has ended, with the way that we have just completely, we, we look completely incapable of winning games of football, of scoring enough goals to see games of football out, I think there's every possibility that if we started the bottom six badly, that we could easily get dragged into it. From that perspective, I was quite glad to see that we didn't draw St. John's away as our opening fixture, because I do think if that had been a game where we go to McDermott, St. Johnston take three points. Suddenly now at that point, St. John's are only three points behind us at that point with four games left to play. That really ramps the pressure up at that point. If I am not mistaken, I think St. Johnston have got a pretty handy opening fixture. Anyway, is it not? Is it Dundee at home for them? They play Dundee at home. Yeah. And then St. Minnan afterwards? Uh, yes. So it does set up still that it could be squeaky bum time to bring that phase back. Um, so yeah, we need to we need to do our business. We need to take care of things and open that up with uh, hopefully an impressive performance against Livingston. We did beat them comfortably at Pataudry earlier in the season. Uh, obviously, they then got the, the win back at Almondvale. Almondvale, the Tony Macaroni, yeah. the, Mo- the Motorola, whatever they call it. <laughs> um, and yeah, we always got the win earlier in the season, thanks to the keeper throwing one in the back of the net for us. So yeah, hopefully we have enough. We've had enough time to reflect and regroup after the horrendous end to the post-split fixtures and we can show the fans something about the team that we are probably all wondering whether they have it in them. 
Yeah, completely. Um, one positive spin, I guess, is that if if results pan out in a particular way, we could relegate Dundee on the 30th of April um, at Pataudry. If, if St Johnston win their first two matches and Dundee, well, if, if St Johnston win their first two, they've beaten St John, uh, they've beaten Dundee in the first fixture, and then obviously we play Dundee uh, second in the second game. If we if we if we were to win that and St Johnston were also to win, then um, Dundee would be would be gone, it's fair to say. That would be a shame. It would be a mighty, mighty shame. I think I'll even miss that game, actually. I don't think I'm going to be around for the 30th, which is um, probably the only thing I've possibly got left to look forward to um, in, in the bottom six, it's fair to say. But yeah, I think, as you just touched on, I think in terms of the way the fixtures have panned out, it's probably about as good as it possibly could have been. At least we're getting an even 19-19 home and away, which I don't think was necessarily guaranteed as well, because we quite frankly shouldn't be in the bottom six so there's always that possibility that because of our rankings from last season we ended up in a slightly peculiar position but hey let's be honest it's not exactly an inspiring last five games of the season to look forward to is it um the only way it could have worked any better is if we had been given you know in that way that the top six works if we'd been given hibs at home first because they're even bigger ball jobs than we are so. true true although hearts almost hibs it in the second half yesterday just a just a tribute Parody. Did you see any of it yesterday? Because obviously you were away. I have seen the highlights um, just earlier, and yeah, some very interesting defending going on all around. By the way, that save from Craig Gordon, fucking hell! Good save, in fairness. Good save. Uh, Joe Newell, though, what an idiot! <laughs> it's just one of them, isn't it? You know, it's uh, it's just appealing to a lowest common denominator utterly ridiculous tackle to make and yeah someone who's um, spent a little bit too much time in training with Ryan Porteous what can I say absolutely it's an interesting one as well I guess that that you know Sean Maloney's I just Sean Maloney I just every time I see him he looks like a child wearing his dad's suit I just can't <laughs> I can't move past can't it can't shake it I know it's, it's hard isn't it and listen the worst thing is I I would have liked to I would have liked to have seen us go for Maloney um Possibly at the time where we went for glass, um, I thought he would have looked like a, an interesting candidate. And all I can say is I'm glad we didn't do that. He definitely does look like an interesting candidate on the on the touchline. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. So as we just talked about, first out of the SPFL fixture computer sees the visit of Livingston to Pataudry on Saturday. Livy probably... Gav, I think it's fair to suggest the only other team to have come out of the last round of fixtures pre-split about as deflated as we were because results for them on the final day were going as well as they could do. They were two and up against Motherwell at the Tony Mac, which would have seen them sitting comfortably in the top six at the expense of Motherwell before uh, Ricky Lamy go deep into injury time, saw the points shared. Motherwell took the final spot in the top six, much to the chagrin of David Martindale. For that reason alone, it's kind of worth it because Martindale sounds hilarious when he's angry. From our three fixtures this season, we've uh, Livingston must be the only team in the league we hold a winning record against Hibs as well, actually. Hibs, a and, lucky, Hibs and Livy, yeah. Yeah, a lucky winner in the second game of the season, followed up by a convincing 2-0 victory at Pataudry on the 1st of December before Livy extracted a measure of revenge in early February with a 2-1 victory in the sleet and rain in West Lothian. Livy sitting two points clear of Aberdeen going into this one. Fair to say, not exactly a free-flowing outfit, uh, averaging just over a goal a game with 35. 
but they also have, well, not one of the more poorest defences in the league. They've conceded 43, which is one more than us. Not exactly a side renowned for getting the ball down and passing it around. (laughs) Ninth place in the table uh, in terms of the number of passes a match they complete, which is about on 200 as the average. That's compared to an Aberdeen side who still sit third in the table in that metric. We average about 342 completed passes a game. And Livy, this is par for the course with a lot of time teams we've talked about this season. Happy to set off teams, let them have the ball. Livy 11th in the league in terms of their possession stats, averaging just over, sorry, just under 40.7% of possession. The only Dundee have got a lower possession statistic than that in the table. Bruce Anderson, he formerly of this parish, the danger man, their top scorer with 11 in the league. But he's been out since the 13th of March with injury. He's unlikely to feature. So we should probably expect to see Livy line up with a front three of Odin Bailey, Joe Nubley, and Alan Forrest. Alan Forrest continues to attract interest from a number of clubs in the division as we head towards the business end of the season. He's out of contract in the summer. Now, Gav, it's quite frank to say, not where we want it to be. It's not where we want it to be, is it? I'm relieved in a sense that Bruce Anderson will apparently not be available. It's it's a big game. There's... We made mention of it last week that, you know, we've got that concern about players who have been told that they have no future at I think Jim Goodwin's come out again this week and effectively yeah, said those who are not going to be here have been told categorically that they're gone. I noticed um, Christian Ramirez posted a story which appeared to be implying that his family have flown to America and you'll see them very soon. Read what you will into that. Got to hope that professional pride kicks in and the players we have understand the significance and yeah no one we don't want to be involved in a relegation battle i'm sure they don't want to be involved in a relegation battle so we need to take this game to livingston and get the three points it's a bit fucking late for professional pride to kick in 33 games into the season that's all i'm gonna say on that topic whatever residual professional pride there is just before we, we move on to the segment here with the Livy guys as well Touched on it yesterday. I mean, with the result at uh, Hamden yesterday, Hearts guaranteed now European football until Christmas. Um, that's going to be worth some serious dough to them. Even, you know, that's bad enough to be missing out on that, right? But then also comes the, the realisation, the way that the results went as well, is that two teams from United, Motherwell and Ross County will also qualify for Europe next season. So, In a league of 12, there are five European spots available this season. To not even be picking up one of those European spots is frankly fucking criminal. Made an arse of it, haven't we? Made a complete arse of it. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll reference you to my points from last week's show. The people that at the top who made these decisions have to take a very long, hard look at themselves and reflect on what they've done to our club. I'm very intrigued to see that, um, obviously, we were promised now uh, in conversation with, with with Dave Cormack, with Graham Hunter, um, leading that one. And the timeline, I think, that the club gave us for this was it was going to come out after the split, I think is how they, they phrased it. Now, if I was a betting man, I would suggest that that will likely appear perhaps this week um, at some point. We're recording this Sunday evening. We've got the whole week to look ahead. If I was a betting man, I'd suspect we might see that appear at some point this week. 
Um, it may be churlish of me to suggest that it comes at a convenient time, given that the season ticket price freeze deadline has now passed. And this therefore becomes a rather safe time for it to potentially come out as far as the club are concerned. If I was a betting man, I would say it'll come out roughly around about 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning, <laughs> just after our show is released. Absolutely. That's, that's standard what happens. And I will get a message from you at work saying, right, we need to <laughs> we do need another to show. Yeah, yeah, that, that very well might happen. Um, I am intrigued to see um, what sort of questions Graham asks. Um, from what I think we've, we understand, I think Graham's been given a, a free reign in terms of questions he can ask, etc. Um, I'll be interested to see, therefore, the angle of attack that Graham takes with it and, and whether there are questions there about the fact that, you know, we've made a right pig's ear of this this season and and how do the club intend to address that going forward and and you know we've spoken about it at length on here already before but there needs to be some recognition of the fact that we've really well and truly mucked this season up even if you want to say you know what third place is not a guarantee no matter what you do fair enough you could have a hibs or a hearts team who do on a, a financial level pay similar to what we do so, so third place is not a guarantee, but to be finishing not even one of the five places is going to get European football is just... I, I actually think that statistic just looks worse every time I talk about it. Well, I mean, you know, cold hard facts. We've been a consistent top four side for the last eight seasons and now we're not. So um, absolutely. Now we're talking about relegation playoffs. So it says all you need right there. And of course, with Kilmarnock's wobble in the championship, there is now still that distinct possibility of a championship. I believe it goes to a uh, almost a title decider at Rugby Park, I think next Friday, I believe. Friday evening, live on BBC Scotland, I think. So that should I be, will a... be I will be strapped in for that one. I absolutely, hey, tell it, I will be. I mean, what a story that could be. Two wins from their last two for a growth and they win the title, they will be promoted. That would be absolutely sensational scenes if if that was to come off. Um, and, and I'd be, uh, listen, I'd be saying that no matter who was in charge at Kamarnak. Oh, no, this is nothing to do with Derek McInnes. This is no, just, yeah. It would be a remarkable story. It would be unbelievable if that was to happen. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously, podcast connections. We wish Nicky Lowe and his Arbor team all the very best. Absolutely. Be the, the most wonderful fairy tale story that I can think of to see them in the top flight. Be just, just ludicrous. Fingers crossed it can happen. But again, turning back to, to Saturday, not where we want it to be, um, but we are where we are. Yep. Um, we thought it would be a good idea to get the thoughts of the guys from the Almond View podcast once again ahead of this one. They've been regular contributors to the show through the season. Great lads. So we spoke with Jake earlier in the week to get his take on where the Livy guys see this one panning out. Jake. From the Almond View podcast, welcome to the ABZ football podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we've always had Liam on in the past. As it stands, <laughs> I think we talked about this. Livingston must be the one of the only two teams in Scotland we have a winning record against this season. How does that feel? <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised, mate. Um, yeah, I know you've spoken to Liam before, so it's maybe a nice different perspective. It's normally <laughs> Liam Brothers that kind of speak to other podcasts. So, uh, no, it's uh, glad to be on. Um, yeah, oh, I'm not surprised, mate. Like, I think even from as long as I remember, we've never really 
played that well against you guys is always like we've had the odd I think our record of Pretodre is pretty shocking uh, I mean obviously we got lucky a couple I think well last season that you guys just had a really really bad game it's totally dependent on Aberdeen playing shite it's I wouldn't <laughs> I think I mean uh, I think that yeah I mean it's not great I mean the last game I I, I didn't I wasn't at I was I had this listened over the radio uh, and I think we did play really well but um, I think when you mentioned Willie Miller earlier um, yeah I heard him on the radio and he said it was like the worst <laughs> Aberdeen performance he'd seen maybe the full season uh, so you just don't know who's going to turn up <laughs> at the moment oh, with Aberdeen. I was going to say, well, the, the good news for you is Aberdeen playing shite. That is not a rarity this past 12 months. So <laughs> no. every, who knows what's going to happen. Um, let's get into things. Let's just, before we start talking about the game, there's a common player uh, between our two teams in the last two years. Jay Emmanuel Thomas, you may be aware, has departed Aberdeen. His contract yep. has been terminated. What is your impression of that and are you surprised at how badly it's gone at Aberdeen for Jet? Oh, I'm really, really surprised. Uh, I thought he'd be incredible for you guys. Like, I know, I'm sure you've probably spoken about this before in your podcast, but genuinely, like, we were speaking even before the start of the season and we all tipped Aberdeen to be have an incredible season. Like, Jet... Jet, when he came to us, I'm sure he said before, but it was really unfit. He was a beat behind it. He was quite heavy. He looked heavier. He's quite a big laddie anyway, but just poor. And then he was just coming. He really came into form at the end with Livingston. And I was like, see, when he's surrounded by a team that's going to play less long balls, more passing football, more into his feet, and he's going to still be, and playing a top two as well, I thought he was going to be absolutely class. And yeah, he seemed to have really struggled. I actually can't remember. I think because I follow him on Twitter, I think I saw he always used to put up highlight reels of himself. (laughs) Uh, And I think he did it for maybe your, I don't know if it was it, uh, was it preseason friendlies or, or some game that he played all right in? And that's when I, I remember Aberdeen fans were like, oh, this guy's, he is good. And I was like, well, your season's going to kick on. And then from that point, I don't think I saw anything else. I think he posts about like cartoon dragons and weird shit on his Twitter now. Like, it's yeah. nothing to do with football. <laughs> Strange dude. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying there's a link to it, but when he started punting NFTs, that's when it all went to shit. I'm not saying that's the reason, but you know, yeah, it's, strange, it's worth strange. mentioning. That game you're talking about, that's, that's the heckin' Europa Conference League first game. It was, I didn't want to say Europe in case that, it was, that was wrong, but yeah, it was. It wasn't, and he was, I thought he was really good. And it was, in, was he playing top two with Ramirez? He was day? effectively, yeah, he was kind of on the right side, but he was playing quite close. We were playing like smart diagonals to him to make use of his height, but also. So we, that's what we, that's how Levy used him all the time. And that's how he was so efficient because it, it got it into feet and then we could our midfield can go forward but I didn't think you guys would play him like that purely because that's our only that's our only tactic we use <laughs> <laughs> oh man why what would have give to just get the ball forward a little bit quicker than we have this season yeah but yeah um do you think there's any we talked about this last night do you think there's any possibility of Jet landing once again and maybe having a little reunion uh, in Livingston um, I don't know. Um, it's a hard one. I think with, with having Bruce Anderson, who's been like, I mean, I can't believe that that worked out for us. Like he's been, I mean, I, I really wasn't expecting much from Bruce. Like the way we play, we always, we were always played with this kind of target man. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, he's quite small. You wouldn't say he's like particularly that strong, but completely really strong. So good. 
an absolute workhorse. Um, I was some so gutted he's out for the rest of the season, man. Like, if I, 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 I honestly will say the statement. I imagine some Aberdeen fans would be like, "Shut the fuck up!" But if he was still fit, we would be top six. I think he was just. He's honestly just so 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 good. Um, so. I imagine, I think he, there is rumours of him going. I think okay. apparently English teams are into, in for him, which is good for us because we'll get a bit of money because, you know, we need it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't say no to Jet, man. Honestly, I wouldn't say no. I really liked him and I've never got to see him play live. It was always because it was during lockdown. It was over course, telly. Yeah. And I think he, and, but we've got Joel Newbley is basically like a better Jet. He, he does what Jet did. You know, example you're saying diagonal balls and his feet, quick feet, and then our you know our striker or our midfield player will batter on. That's a tactic we use all the time. Wouldn't say no, um, but it's a bit like I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to make it a comparison. It's a bit like a like a shite Christmas present off your granny. Like you're like <laughs> you're, you're you're like oh cool, thanks granny, but really you're like fucking shite present granny. Like she just give me money. It's a bit <laughs> like that. Like you don't you're you're gonna take it and you're gonna you enjoy it. But you're a bit like, oh, fucking, could it give me something better? <laughs> it's that thing in football, isn't it? Sometimes you just you don't want to go back because it'll ruin the memory that you once had. Yeah, well, isn't it? Oh, 100%. 100%. We're in the situation we are because, well, Aberdeen were beaten 1-0 by Ross County. In your case, you were 2-1 up going into the final few minutes. And then I believe it was Ricky Lamy, who is an ex-Livingston player, isn't he? He is, yeah. Ricky Lamy. Um, he was fucking hopeless for Livy as well. Like, I really thought he was really hopeless. So when he moved to... He's the luckiest guy ever. Like, moving to, um, to Motherwell, playing most weeks. Couldn't believe it. Now, I think he's going to Dundee, um, I believe. He, he has signed a pre-contract, but now he's making noises that he can get out of it because... <laughs> Why the fuck would you leave Motherwell for Dundee right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. But okay, it was okay, it was a tough one. I was at the game um, and I was sat uh, beside Liam and I brought my friend along who's actually not a Livy fan, but anyone to get bums and seats. Uh, and he was like, didn't really know what to do after because me and Liam were like <laughs> head and hands. Okay, it was, it was, yeah, I would say for me, I think because I, I've missed quite a lot of the, the really shit ones in the past that have been like, I was getting relegated. I've always not been able to make it. So I would probably say I was, it's probably the most gutted I've been in that stadium uh, because of the way we lost it. And we really battered them as well. We don't really dominate teams. You know, we, we like guys like, you know, we've played people like Dundee United who kind of possessionally wise beat us, but then we beat them on the break and then we really struggled. But that's the teams we like playing because teams that are wanting to, really have the possession and push for goals and then we'll kind of catch them on the break but Motherwell we were fucking battering them the whole time and you know that's when it came in but this has happened so many times it's like you know when we even played you guys the first time at, um, at the, the Macarena uh, you know losing that last goal um, when it go from the, the silly keeper error we've been doing it all season but just like switch off defensively or have a terrible clearance even that goal the goal came from a silly clearance as well like it kind of sliced it out it's just happened a lot so i'm not you know I'm, i think some people like that's you know if we, if we sorted that we'd made top six we didn't really deserve it because we made too many mistakes throughout the season really so it was like it was gutting but you know we'll see how it goes as long as we don't get relegated that's always the goal We'll touch on that in a second. Um, I think that's the way you're talking about maybe not deserving. It's the way we feel. It's like, I think in league football, generally speaking, where you finish is where you deserve because the number of games, you know, that yeah. stands up to scrutiny. But likewise, if we had made top six, it would have been like just the most damning indictment <laughs> on the six teams beneath us. 
because yeah. likewise we've been terrible this entire season i mean so te- i mean so what's what is your thoughts why i mean why have you been terrible i mean i only listen to aberdeen games because I, I I actually I sing in a wedding band, so I miss a lot of games purely because I'm always on the road or like driving to like I'm fucking in Aberdeen all the time. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it seems like the most popular wedding place ever, and I catch them, and it's just like I don't know if it's like defensive errors or just don't know like if you really know what you're being. I don't know like the managers are like saying things. I just don't think it's like implementing the pitch. What's what's gone wrong this season? Why why is that? could be here for a long time um, <laughs> okay, truthful, okay. Truthful, i mean truthfully it, i mean stephen glass is not the sole reason but the yeah. moment we hired stephen glass was the whole way the way we went about that trying trying to create this almost like continental european um structure in our football club mm-hmm. and then we hired stephen glass as the head coach manager then we hired a director of football and then a director of football, by the way, who has not got any experience of working as a director of football at any club. Right, okay. And then we hired a head of recruitment in the last week of August. Right. With this, you know, this season being the way it has with the European football and the opportunities to make real money, it's just been all backwards. Mm-hmm. And then I think just on top of it, like the analysis on in the backroom staff as far as pre- preparation has not been good enough. Mm. recruitment in the summer was not good enough and uh, we sit here now i think we can maybe see one player has worked out well yeah ramirez um, has been all right ramirez has done well he's he has gone well off the boil though since glass left and it was here oh, really it, it seems as though he came primarily to play for stephen glass and aberdeen was like a second thought oh really? like when glass when glass got sacked he tweeted it was like angry emoji 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 and just <laughs> fuck and i've never seen a player react like that to a manager leaving so never. read what you will into that um wow 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 you know scott brown left he did not have the impact we wanted him to jet we've just mentioned yeah all round recruitment was not good enough and in, in the sum in january sorry it was even worse and we got left with ramirez as our sole striking option yeah and then you kind of look down the road and you see Bruce Anderson scoring goals and you're just a little bit like <laughs> he um he proper celebrated I was really I look back on that and I can I didn't even think about it until the other day when he scored against Aberdeen he kind of celebrated like up against the fans did he have a, did he leave on bad terms or was he just this is the thing it was really surprising to me as well because I'd never seen that side of Bruce Anderson <laughs> at Aberdeen he's a local lad he's, yeah you know he's from Banff um, isn't he I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's simply, this is why I'm surprised how, how well he's done with you. Cause I would never in a million years think he's a lone striker. No. And, I, and I think that's the reason Aberdeen ultimately said it's probably not going to work out. And I guess he was used in some way to get jet to Aberdeen. I think that's yeah common think, knowledge, but yeah. yeah, there was never any animosity or anything. It was really surprising just how spiky he has been in yeah. all of the games. And yeah, it's uh but here, fair play. We told him he wasn't good enough and he's got a point to prove. So yeah, I've, like got, I've got no issue with that at all. Um, <laughs> right, let's talk about Saturday. Well, actually, before we do that, we're now, the split has happened. How are you as a Livingston fan looking at your season? I know you guys had a bit of a, bit of a tough start. Martindale trying to find the right team, the right formation. Mm. Got it together really well. Um, and yeah, could easily have been top six so how are you feeling about uh about the season so far 
Yeah, I mean, I, overall, it's a success. I mean, I think some Flurry fans, I mean, we we get criticised as a podcast for kind of expecting too much, I think, of the team. But I, I, for, for us, we were always kind of, we always made an argument of going, okay, right, we've set this level now of hitting top six. Let's just keep pushing it instead of going like, you know, we make we top six two years in a row and people are still going, oh, Livingston are going to get relegated. And it's just like, right, fuck that. Like, let's push on more. Like, you know, use our strengths. This is what we're, we're good at. Let's let's keep push on. So it, almost you'd think that we'd be really disappointed not making top six, but really how close things were. I, I think this season's still a success. And Martindale did say this is the best Levy team he's ever had. And I'd agree with him, to be honest. I mean, obviously, if we had London Dykes in, then or, you know, Jet and Jet is prime, maybe better. But I really think the recruitment's been amazing this year, and it's been really good. As fixtures go, I mean, I hate playing Aberdeen because it's just you just you just, you just don't know who you. As I said before, I don't know you guys who are going to turn up just because you can be. You've got the capability of absolutely smashing us, or the capability of it being a draw. I, would, I, I mean, Epitodri, hundred percent off. Oh, um, all day, take a draw. All day. Love, love our draw, <laughs> but it's different than Pataudry. It's it's just a it's a whole different ball game for us, and it's at three o'clock on a Saturday, which is well weird. Um, when does that ever when does that ever happen? Um, I, I think are you going to go to the game on Saturday? I should be there. Likewise, I'm also in a band, and we're playing a gig on Saturday night. But ah. it's in Aberdeen, so I should be able to go. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, you can make it. Let's go through, as you're saying there about how Aberdeen are a bad team, because Liam said the same thing, that we're Livingston's bogey team. And I yeah, yeah, I remember bit. Livingston being Aberdeen's when you guys first came on the scene. And yeah, you would... I remember everybody's bogey team that season, though. Yeah, but <laughs> even like when you're like making noises in like the third or second division, and you beat us in the Scottish Cup one game, John Robertson scored the winner. Yeah. Um, I can always think back to the 6-1 defeat in the League Cup, where you just absolutely tore us to pieces um and then yeah i don't know it's, it's kind of more ever been since you lost like the likes of fernandez we've kind of gotten a gotten a grips with you i mean yeah i mean that, that guy is just the most ridiculous player i've ever seen in the flesh i've seen like Thierry Henry and a few like quite big players but in comparison fernandez is by far the best player i've ever seen in my life like the things he could do like it's just oh I miss that type of player you know but that kind of like random Spanish dude that just like rip take like rip people to pieces it's not the same anymore people's changed though it's it's same I don't know if it would be how he would get on in today's game I don't know possibly but. yeah I mean the thing that I remember about Fernandez is obviously his time at Livingston and how good he was but also when he moved to Celtic and didn't really get much of a look in he we were playing Celtic it was did they have they had they had one of these superstars who was like at the very very end of their career had gone off early doors it might have been fred Jumberg, but let's say let's just say someone like that yeah that makes it's been about that time I think, or yeah. someone no it was janino janino was the celtic topping up his pension yes and he went <laughs> off early and fernandez came on so it's like 15 20 minutes and fernandez was so like he was the same size as Jet, but without the height. Yeah, and it was kind of like, ah, oh, mate, what's happened here? Yeah, he did. He did go for. I think. Yeah, he didn't really speak about that too much when we spoke to him. But I think he was just on the bench all the time. And it was think, like, yeah. it was a living manager forced him to go there. Oh, really? Like he really? Yeah, he didn't even really want to go to Celtic. He uh, So Davey Hay was the manager, who's obviously a huge Celtic guy, and he was like, you need to go to Celtic and be 
you'll be the next Larson. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, no, you you must go to Celtic. And he, you know, he was behind Hearts and Sutton and Larson. He was never getting a sniff. Or he, was, he wasn't even a centre forward. And he was getting played centre forward behind them. So it was, ugh, it was a shame. Yeah, it's another case of just classic old firm stockpiling <laughs> good players, isn't it? You yeah, know? classic. Um, anyway, that's enough about the old firm for one day. Let's talk about Saturday. So, so yeah. far this season, it's been 2-1 Aberdeen at the Macaroni courtesy of Max Strychek throwing one in the net. Cheers, Max. Pretty comfortable 2-0 win at Pataudry for Aberdeen and then 2-1 win for Livingston at the Macaroni. Once again, Aberdeen, absolutely atrocious. If you want to know what our season's like, just go back and watch that second goal again. That yeah. Alan Forrest scores and oh. that just sums us up. But the uh, thing is over, yeah, I get the, the, your first half, absolutely. I totally agree. But second half, you really came back on it and, and still... So even... I don't know. You didn't play that well at the when you beat us two one at, at Macaroni. Um, but that second half is still there's still always a thing about Aberdeen. Even if you're playing shite for the first half, it doesn't guarantee you're going to play fucking shite the second half with Aberdeen. Like with Livy, I always think if you start the first half bad, you'd be very rarely like <laughs> turn it on really later on. So um, you just you just you just never know. I think it, it's always first twenty minutes really important for both mm-hmm. teams. To go in, I can't see us um, taking control of the game by any means of Pataudry. I think it's going to be pretty Aberdeen heavy. And if we do, we'll get maybe a couple of opportunities and hopefully we take them. I can't see us really dominating at Pataudry at all, though. Um, I think I'd be, if as an Aberdeen fan, I'd probably be seeing this as quite a good start to the bottom six fixtures, being at home against Livy, because don't always play that well. Uh, yours but <clears throat> don't know how you feel about it yeah the fixtures have landed okay for us because it's yourselves at home and then we've got Dundee at home oh, so good on start. paper that's not bad good given start. that we are still very much looking over our shoulder at the at the St Johnston <laughs> elephant so, why I can't believe all us us hims and, and you are all like looking out back of a bit St. Johnson's. I can't believe, I can't believe what a season it's been. I mean, obviously um, like we can't beat, I mean, as an Aberdeen fan, I imagine it's been an absolute nightmare for you from the position, but in general, what a league it's been this season. It's been exciting. I mean, do you watch View from the Terrace? I bits and bobs. I don't watch it all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, Robert Borthwick referred to like from fourth to 10th in the SPL as being the, the SPFL. I always get that wrong. Um, as the glob. Because it feels like at no point we've there's always been like three or four points max between yeah. fourth and tenth, which I guess in a way sums up how competitive the league is. Yeah. But from my perspective, also it shows just how lacking in quality I think some teams are. Aberdeen yeah. certainly included. What are you looking for? So you're saying you don't expect that Livingston will come here to control? Do you think they'll come in to sort of sit in, make life difficult, and then catch Aberdeen? Either on the break or wait for us to do our obligatory shooting ourselves. <laughs> no, I think I think we've we've still got even though like we we, we lost against Motherwell, the confidence is still high. We've still got the kind of the ability there to to now catch teams on the break better. Our midfield this season has been an, a, a total success for us. Like Holt and Omionga in the middle have been I mean amazing. I mean, Omionga's actually been off the boil the last couple of games, and we played Sean Kelly. I don't know if you know Sean Kelly. Um, and centre mid, he's uh, Liam Kelly's brother. Okay. <laughs> he came in as a utility left-sided centre-back, uh, but he's been kind of like a fringe player and he's been playing centre mid and he's actually done really well, which is weird. So um, it'd be the best thing to do would give Liam Kelly his game, 
but I don't think he will against Aberdeen. I reckon Omiongo will probably be back in. But missing Bruce Anderson, man, like we really, we do really lack um, up front. So it probably will be Nubly up front with uh, Forrest and that Odin Bailey again, who okay. both played amazing against Motherwell. So that top three is, is generally probably the best top three we've had in a long, long time. Um, Alan Forrest can just create things out of nothing, and which is nice. Uh, we really need that. He's so direct. So you just don't know. You just don't know. But if Aberdeen, if Aberdeen go up one 0 first twenty minutes, it's game over in my opinion. It needs to be no nil half time, and get get you guys on their backs a wee bit. See if we can kind of catch in the break. But I think if you guys score early, I can't see us, especially not Petodri. A comeback. I think it's good. Unfortunately, I think it probably would be game over. Yeah, the issue there is just simply we just don't look like we're capable of scoring. It's just yeah. it's really strange, but we just we've got no real creative outlet. Yeah, are you still playing the back three? No, we um, because that was a thing for you guys for a while that really worked, right? Stephen Glass was pretty adamant on. I think if Andrew Constantine hadn't got injured, we were probably stuck with it. Because oh, he's left left sided, the he? left sided one. Yeah, he's like so Ross, so yeah, solid. Ross McCrory kind of switched out there, but now since Jim Goodwin's come in, Ross McCrory is now back in centre midfield, and we've got Declan right. Gallagher and David Bates. They on paper they should be, you know, they are frightening the good. I'm a I'm a Declan Gallagher wonder fan, man. I thought I absolutely loved that guy. Like he was incredible at Livy. Like him, like. Him and Halkett being in the Scotland squad, well, Gallagher's a little bit out just now, but I can see him going back. No surprise, because they were incredible at Livy. So I am a little bit surprised about Gallagher not being, not kicking on more at Aberdeen. I think he's been, he's all, he's all right, isn't he? Like, don't, what's your thoughts of him? It's one of these ones, because again, like when Glass came in, the philosophy was very clear to be a team that play out from the back. Hmm. And this is not a slight on Declan Gallagher, but like when I watched him, we spoke with Lee Miller. He's going on this week's episode as the interview, actually. And we spoke with Lee Miller about your promotion campaign and in the playoffs. And I watched a lot of mm-hmm. things from that because mainly because Lee Miller was playing and playoffs are great entertainment. But Gallagher and Halkett, as you say, were so solid, but they're not ball playing types. They're, they're defenders first and foremost. So it didn't make sense on paper that we were signing him. And he came in um, pretty unfit. I think, I think he might have had an injury problem in pre-season that just meant he didn't get going mm-hmm. I just didn't seem to fit into Glass's vision of how mm-hmm. the team were going to play since Jim Goodwin's come in he's he is getting better he's made mention of the fact that he's not had the fitness um, that he would have hoped but he's been getting better as he has gone on but yeah I mean for the Motherwell captain a Scotland international a guy who you know dominated Mitrovic in that Serbia playoff he's not lived up to what we'd hoped for and mm-hmm. likewise David Bates I mean David Bates for a time was looked at alongside Scott McKenna as the long-term centre-back pairing for Scotland and 100% he came back from Hamburg confidence shot to bits and he he basically wasn't even allowed at the Hamburg training ground he was just training by himself but he was why? that he was that far out of the picture we don't really know why I think it was just a change of manager who didn't want him anywhere near the club <laughs> What's that? Uh, what's that uh, uh, thing? Uh, Neil Warnock uh, in the Pep Guardiola. I've seen the video. Where yes, he's, yeah. he's like, I don't want injured players anywhere near my changing room. I want you out. I bet that's the managers like that. Don't like him. Don't want him anywhere near the club. That's crazy. But yes, he came in. And of course, our defense was constantly got the injury. 
Uh, Michael Devlin is permanently injured, and because he was in the Scotland setup for a bit, eh? Devlin, Devlin, yeah, he was. Yeah, he played. Um, he actually played against Russia. That was it in a game, and yeah, it. I mean, he got dominated by that giant guy they've got up front. <laughs> but um, you know, we, like you say, on paper, this is the thing. We've got a very, very good group of players, and it's just not materialized. And like sure. you say, Declan Gallagher Bates, that would be a centre back pairing anywhere yeah. in Scotland, really. Although I'm quite surprised because I, I know we, I, I know we're a bit short for time, but um, the Gallagher, he a lot of time played right, uh, right back for Livy. Sometimes, like he got pushed over, and he was darting up the line. And I, I mean, obviously, I mean, our, it depends what level of ball players. Obviously, it's a little bit different now from mm-hmm. playing at the back. But I thought he'd be deal with that quite well. I always thought he was quite good with his feet and stuff like that. From just from my time watching him at Livy. But obviously, it's different when you're playing centre back than having a bit more freedom to just kind of use the right back. But I always thought he'd actually deal with that quite well. So I'm quite shocked that he was really. He's a bit slower, a bit clumpy, and a bit more. Yeah, and if the thing is, he's not even done the defensive part particularly Aye. well either. Well, there you go. If truth is to be told, <laughs> but um, I think that's one where we'll. It's one of these. Our whole thing is just get through the season and move on to next season. Um, start again. Get good win. Get him a start. Get more recruitment and like I, I'm, you'll be absolutely fine. Um, but I think you need a restart for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 we do. We certainly do. Um. We'll wrap things up here because what are your aims for well one the bottom six is just to finish as high in the league as possible and then what are you looking towards next season um i, I guess much is the same i think we've really um we've got we started we've played better football this year uh, we're not as hammer throwy as people get as people you know obviously we get bad rep for that and i know what we can be like but we're playing it from the back more we're using our center back halves more we're playing better are playing better football especially with holton omiyong in the middle um so more of that really um bartley being involved has really helped mm-hmm. i think our analysis has been improved as well we've been using a lot more of that kind of stuff um we just we just hopefully not get relegated but kind of fight keep fighting for top six man get another striker in we just have to see every year is a roller coaster we live in man you just don't know what you're gonna get that's it that's it <laughs> don't know what you're gonna get and to be honest even if we get relegated it's it's, it's all right you know it's it's because sometimes we're kind of like fuck it'd be less stress if we got relegated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now nah, just more of the same mate yeah just uh, hope just survival and and uh just i don't know just keeping just playing better football each year that's main. That's only target. Lovely. Stuff. It's quite depressing. <laughs> <laughs> the most teams say silverware. We're like, uh, just uh, like, if we finish seventh, it'll be great. <laughs> um, we had like a fan zone thing before the Ross County game. First time they've trialed one of these, and Jim Goodwin was there. No way. And he gave a little speech. I wasn't actually there, but the other two were, and they told me that one thing you said. You can quote me on this. We won't be in the same position next season. And you're like, well, that could be taken in many ways, Jim. Like, <laughs> is it because we're fighting for promotion? I think, truthfully, that you guys will be fine. I think we'll probably be okay. I think we've probably just about got enough yeah. between both, both of us. us. Both of us will be fine, I think. Uh, and then we go again next season. Yeah. And in the meantime, St. Johnston can battle with Arbroath or Kilmarnock. <laughs> I can fuck off. Fuck St. Johnston. <laughs> I echo those sentiments. Finally, okay, Jake, we'll let you go. One final thing, though. Give us your prediction for Saturday. 1 uh, 1. <laughs>
<laughs> Straight as you like. Right down the middle, right on the fence. Levy, Levy you know score what? first, Aberdeen score late, 1-1, both fans raging. Perfect. 1-1 up the road. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead, actually. I'll say 1-1 as well, but Aberdeen will score first. Ooh. And Livingston will score the late equaliser. Oh, we'll see. Oh, well, I hope we're both right. <laughs> Absolutely. Jake, thank you very much for your time. All the best, man. Thanks, man. All the best. See you. In other news from Pataudry this week, as of the time of recording, the club have announced that over 6,000 season tickets have already been sold for next season, which, if you ask me, Gav, is a pretty remarkable number, given the way that this season has panned out. I do wonder how many of them were filling out their forms as begrudgingly as I was <laughs> on Friday when the price freeze finished up. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's an extraordinary effort because this season has... It's not merited those numbers. I should play that. Uh, it, really, it really hasn't. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I would need to go and check and I haven't checked it. So if, no doubt someone will correct me if I'm wrong about this on Twitter. I think this is the earliest season tickets have ever gone on sale before. So for us to have even come close to 6,000 by well, the middle of April, normally would be ridiculous to have done it given the absolute dug meat we've had served up to us on the football pitch all season. Given the the distinct lethargy or antipathy that a lot of people have with the club at the moment, I, I really think it's a remarkable number. I, I think the numbers have been boosted by the fact that price freeze came in at this point. And so therefore, if you, if you were going to sign up anyway, this was obviously the time to do it. But hey, there are times, I think I tweeted out a bit, I, there are times I honestly don't think the club realises how lucky they are to have the support that they do have sometimes. And I know the club will say that they don't and they don't take it for granted. All I can say is they better fucking not just emphasise the point that, yeah, they need to realise what the club means to people and their responsibility and the duty they have as, our, as the custodians of our club to correct the mess that they've created. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very intrigued to see what happens now between the next, this the, the closing of the price fees window and then, is it the early bird is what they've called it? Mm-hmm. See how many they shift between there and there. Because I do wonder if people just go off. The, kind of, the, 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 the people who were going to renew you regardless have done it and it doesn't really jump much further than this, but hey, let's, let's see what happens. And also, this is something that's been trailed for long enough now, but I just felt we should touch on it because it came out, I think, on the Monday after we'd finished recording, so we didn't touch on it in last week's episode. But the club also confirmed this week that the big man, Jet, has had his contract terminated with over half of his contract term remaining. He leaves Aberdeen having made 24 appearances, which I can't believe he actually got on the pitch 24 times. But there we go. Scoring once. A very good goal it was too. What a goal. Didn't make his 20 plus though. Um, again, people keep on talking about how he said he'd get 20. He didn't. He said he'd get 20 plus. No real surprise. I don't think this one, Gav. But your thoughts on the departure of J. Emmanuel Thomas. We hardly knew he. I mean, <laughs> well, he didn't get his goals because we cut his season short. <laughs> I think that's what it was. So that that statement will have an asterisk next to it now. I mean, it's not worked, has it? I was excited when he first signed because you saw the obvious ability and he seemed really up for it and he seemed an infectious character but yeah it's just clearly not part of Jim Goodwin's plans and best for all involved for Jay to set sail for Pastures New. I wonder if perhaps we might see him again in the SPL next season. 
I can't see it. I can't see anybody in the top flight wanting to take a punt on him. Livingston? Nah, I, I think from having spoken with the guys in the Ammon View before about this, I I think Livy were very happy to see him go. I think they knew they'd... they'd I knew. I think they got the, the feel that they had got the most out of Jet that they were going to get, and it wasn't going to get any better. Um, if I was a betting man, I suspect he goes back to Thailand. <laughs> Thailand? Well, that's where he was playing before he came to Livingston. Oh, that's where he was living. I don't know if he was playing there, but he was living. Yeah, he was. He was, play, he was playing in the Thai league. So I, I think that'll be where you see J. Emmanuel Thomas next. All, all the best to the big I f- man. I feel like I need to go back and like edit episode two or episode three. Episode two? Episode two. After the heckin' home game. <laughs> because we were all very effusive about his performance that evening. And I feel that it's made a right mug out of me in terms of like my ability to talk about football. So we might just go back and edit all of that out. Have you seen the clip on Twitter? It's it's of Jay Emmanuel Thomas when he was at Arsenal. He picks up the ball and he, and he rips. He does this piece of skill. I can't even begin to describe what he does. And he just takes two people out of the game. And then I think he pops it in the top corner. Yeah. That is what he's capable of. And it will continue to baffle me as to how someone with that level of ability cannot apply himself in such a way to make the most of it um all the best to him but yeah didn't work and we say bon voyage i'm interested to know how many boxes jason hill has got of those t-shirts sitting in the fc club shop now might drop my message on twitter to find out to be honest i'll take a job lot i will uh, i will still pass thank you there we go. Jet, we hardly knew you. Moving on. To the women's team, Gavin Beath and Emma Hunter fielding the same side that started last time out against Celtic in the Scottish Cup. Francesca Ogilvie continuing her return from hamstring injury, making her way onto the substitute fence this time out. Hearts beginning the match looking the brighter of the two teams as they passed up a great opportunity to go in front after just 11 minutes. Tweedy, my name, Tweedy, Tweedy flicking on a free kick with Browning sending a volley over the bar from seven yards out. Aberdeen's first real chance of the game came by way of a mix-up in the visitors' defence as Georgia Hunter and goalkeeper Charlotte Parker-Smith saw the ball evade both and trickle just wide of the post. In the 36th minute, though, the away side got themselves in front with the only goal of the game, and it was a well-worked one, Erin Rennie, Carrying the ball from midfield, who fed McKenney, who reversed a fine ball through to Anderson, and the Scottish under-19 international finished low beyond AJ Meach to make it 1-0 to the visitors. The Dons tried to respond, and they threatened in the closing stages of the half. Gover's in-swinging corner from the right, causing problems in the Hearts' defence. But the Jam Tarts managed to scramble clear as both Kelly Forrest and Donna Patterson tried to get ahead on the ball. But the host went in one down at the break. The Dons making a brighter start to the second half. There were claims for a penalty which were waved away after Lauren Campbell was barged into the penalty area in the opening minutes. Hearts retaining their threat though and had a good chance a couple of minutes later. A great run by Anderson on the break. Taking her down the left wing, her cross looked to be heading for McKenney in the middle but she couldn't quite get on the end of the cross ball. Lauren Gordon replaced Bailey Collins just after the hour mark and the substitute almost had an instant impact Two minutes later, a great run by Lauren Campbell down the right. So her play, a fine one too with Louise Brown before she won a corner on the right-hand side, which came to nothing. It was almost 2-0 though, 
in the 69th minute. A great run out of defence by Jenny Smith, culminating in her feeding the ball to Anderson on the left. Her pass was gathered in and before she cut in on her right foot and sent a low shot crashing off of AJ Meach's near post. And as the game came to its closing stages, the Dons threw on Nadia Sopel for captain Kelly Forrest. But it wasn't to be as the visitors came closest to another goal, Holly Hitchson carrying the ball well before setting up Smith, who saw her drive from an acute angle, smash off the bar and away to safety. A disappointing afternoon out at the Balmoral for Emma Hunton and Gavin Beath's side against the Hearts team who have been struggling in recent weeks. All to play for in the last few weeks as the Dons look to finish the SWPL1 campaign on a high. Moving on to the young team, two games again this week for the young team. A Finley Murray double along with goals from Taylor Mason and Dylan Lobbin giving the team a deserved 4-1 victory against Kilmarnock on Tuesday afternoon at Cormac Park as the Dons made it three wins from three against their Ayrshire opponents. However, the visit of high-flying Hibs on Good Friday saw the Dons crash back down to earth of the bump. A double from Connor Young and a header from Malik Zaid saw the Hibies take all three points as they continue to march towards a potential league title. And on loan watch, Cliftonville drew 0-0 with Larne on Saturday to remain one point behind Linfield in the Norwich Irish Premiership. Luke Turner once again with another full 19 minutes under his belt. Mark Gallagher nowhere to be seen once again. Mark Gallagher, not so much. In the Highland League, no Jack McIver in the Huntley lineup or for Finn Yates with Keith. So that wraps up their respective seasons. Pell McIta started and scored for, for Martin United as they wrapped up their Highland League campaign with a 1 1 draw at home to Rothis. Kieran Nguenya returned to the starting lineup for Champions Kelty Hearts as they beat Stranraer Stranra? by three goals to nil in League Two. Mason Hancock and Evan Tyler facing off against each other as Elgin City ran out 2-0 winners at Stirling Albion, with both of the Dons players seeing out the full 90 minutes. Ryan Duncan with 81 minutes in the tank and an early goal for Peter Head as they saw off Queen's Park by two goals to one in League One. And Dean Campbell kept his spot in the starting lineup for Kilmarnock as they went down by two goals to one at Austin Samuels in Renes Cali Thistle to throw the championship title race wide open once again. And so that wraps up part one of this week's show. Join us after the break as we bring you part one of our conversation with former striker, it's the well-groomed Lee Miller. To play us out this half, here are the acrylics with their track, Walk Away, which was released on Friday, 15th of April. You can follow the acrylics over on all the usual social media locations and you can listen to them on all your usual streaming hotspots. Here's the acrylics with Walk Away. Magazine from my neighbor, but I need to get my life back first. I've seen the chance to fly, cause I knew that I had to get away. She says there's no need to lie, so I packed my bags for my people. Best friend is a believer 
Harry smokes three packs of blues a day Spend a life trying to find his place Seek a refuge in the nearest council estate Fuck it, just go with the flow When you know you'll go When you know you'll go This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Anderson Quantity Surveying. Got your building warrant and plan permission in place? Great! AQS's cost management service can be used throughout the lifetime of your project, providing you with the tools to review and certify contractor payments, variations and final accounts. With AQS's technical and cost management expertise, this service is almost certain to save you money. But don't just ask us. On previous jobs, AQS have saved their clients tens of thousands of pounds with this service. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. It's now time for the return of our series of exclusive interviews with Don's personalities of past and present with part one of our chat with a striker who finally made the move to the Northeast in the summer of 2006, going on to make 145 appearances in red, scoring 33 goals in the process, and who featured in many of those memorable games during the 2007-2008 UEFA Cup run. It's Lee Miller. Lee Miller, welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. How's it going? Yes, all good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no, pleasure is 
all hours. Delighted to welcome you to the show. Um, let's just get down to business, will we? Uh, born in Lanark, literally one week after the Don's famous victory over Real Madrid in Gothenburg. <laughs> just talk to us a little bit, Lee, about your, your upbringing. And was football always your kind of sport of choice when you were growing up? Yeah, it was. Uh, my dad was into football. Uh, my bigger brother was into football. And I just kind of wanted to kind of play football constantly. I would get out for my friends, always a football under the arm. They would go into hiding and they wouldn't want to come out and play and wasn't the time for mobile phones or stuff. So you used to go and chap everybody's door and try and get them around for a, a kick about as such. So no, I just um, messed about in the garden with my mates and that and my bigger brother and kind of played with older ones and kind of get stuck right in and that's where the kind of love of the game came from. Boyhood team and who was your favourite player growing up? Um, boyhood team was probably Rangers. Um I've sat in both ends at the old firm. I, I could not care less, but I liked Rangers growing up. I liked Alan McCoy, Sloudrop, Gascoigne. Um, but my, my dad used to take me in my old games as well um, and just watch a football match, if anything. I would never go to the Rangers games, but I quite I had a, I had a good mate that was a Celtic supporter. We used to just have banter back and forth. Um, and I used to be Rangers, he used to be Celtic. So, yeah, it was it was Rangers growing up. And, uh, but like I say, I never, I never really went to any games. I went to a, a few Scotland games and stuff, but I wouldn't say I was a, a supporter as such. Um, no, that was about. We'll edit that about anyway. It's an Aberdeen podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Make use of the bleep function. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> talk to us, Lee, about your youth career. I guess you're kind of synonymous with Falkirk. We know that's where you start professionally, but is that where you started as a youth player as well? Yeah, I was speaking to somebody about this other day. Actually, like. I was obviously boys club, wish a boys club, wish servicemen's, and then kind of trained with, with Falk on a Friday night. Um, Astroturf, um, all the youths kind of came for all the different boys clubs all over. But I trained with Motherwell, I trained with a couple other teams as well. And it's, it's the same boys and the, the same circuit kind of thing. I spoke to John Rankin recently, and obviously I, I made, my, made my breakthrough with uh, with Falkirk. He obviously went down south and done his Man United thing, but he says to me, oh, I wish... I wish I'd have done it the way you guys done it and played lower leagues and worked their way up and had loads of first team experience then mm-hmm. kicked on but as he went down to Man United and done the youth thing and then came up and then started trying to build up his his uh, first team appearances. So no, it was it was it was Falkirk um that I got my YTS and Pro Deal, uh, my first deal. And uh, again I was speaking to somebody else. Just See, just because I'm in the barber, I, I just speak about different things when they're on the chair and they ask about things. I say, listen, this is how it was. And my first two seasons in professional football was getting thrown in at the deep end. I was, I was never a, a striker. I was never a striker. I was a midfielder. I was the same as my son is now. Um, he's a box. Even you'll not, you'll not believe this, right? I was a box. <laughs> I was a box to box midfielder. Loved zinging the ball all over the place. Would win my headers midfield again in the box, score goals. I was never a, a back-to-goal, hold-up, flick-ons, that kind of thing. And it was Alec Totten, who, injury suspensions, I'd never even been on the bench for Falk at first team. I'd played with 18s, played with reserves. He said, listen, big man, you play up front. I said, you know what it's like, you're young, you're enthusiastic, I'll play anywhere. Play anywhere. Get thrown in at the deep end. Started uh, against Ross County at home. I remember it was a 4-3 victory. I had a crossbow and overhead kick. I got man in the match. I never scored. Um, and ever since that game, that's been me. I've been a striker. <laughs> I've never been a midfielder. I had to kind of learn a whole new position. Um, but no, that that was kind of my kind of upbringing and, and thrown in at the deep end. And my first season, we get relegated. 
didn't go down because Airdrie went bust. Second season, won, won the league, didn't go up because our stadium wasn't <laughs> up to criteria. So right away, first two seasons were roller coasters. Um, but I was a young boy, just loving life and loving playing football, scoring goals. And I'd no, I'd no fear at all. No fear at all. It's funny, the number of players we've spoken to on this who they grow up learning a position and then when it comes to the first team, they just the manager requires them to play a completely different role and that's what defines you as as you just said yourself there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy the way, the way it can happen and listen, I've got no regrets on my career. I've, I've had a really good career and um, as a striker, but all, all the way through my youth, I was a midfielder. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, you may mention Alec Totten being your first gaffer there, but was there anyone at the youth level who you'd regard as a, a key influence on your career? Um, yeah, I obviously had my boys club um, coaches and stuff. It used to take us here, there and everywhere. My dad used to take us here, there and everywhere. Um, my friends' dads. And it's a lot of work and I know that first experience from having kids just now and having a, you know, a taxi service for them. They've got great social lives and you wouldn't want to miss out on anything. Um, but Tony Docherty, actually, um, assistant, obviously former assistant at Aberdeen, he was youth coach coming through Falkirk and um, Ian McIntyre who scouted me and, and put me into the, the kind of youth set up um, I really, I was really close with him I still speak to him and then again uh, for chats and I still actually call uh, Alec Totten Gaffer um, even when I was a manager at Falkirk he was still in the club he was still That's in the right, building yeah. and it was it was yep Gaffer and he still could put me down to that size with one <laughs> expression he would just go and it was just turned. It was just turned so serious, and it put it took me back to a place where I was a youth boy, really intimidated and really scared of my manager. And he could do that right away now. And I still speak to him this day. I'll phone him then again and see how he's getting on and stuff. So we've got a good relationship. Stuart Duff says exactly the same thing about Jim McLean. It's the same era. Just it's the same, that era. same idea. These guys oh. still hanging about the club and just like can bring you, like you say, just make you feel yay high. It's not even. They can just switch. Yeah. What do you mean, son? And it's like, oh, wait a minute here. <laughs> it just takes you back to the memories you had growing up, and it was like, you know your place, and you yeah. don't, you don't. Uh, the new generation coming through, you don't get that that often. It, you have to earn the respect. Whereas these guys, right away, well, I respect you. I know who you are, kind of thing. It's like, yep, they can put you in your place. Absolutely. So you just touched on it. Your debut, um, uh, victory over Ross County, and then. Your next start for the club, a 2-2 draw at Somerset Park, that's where you get your first goal. And from that point on, you're pretty much straight in the first team. You kind of just talked about it there. Scoring 11 goals in that first season, 29 appearances, it's a season, it's a struggle for, for Falkirk, as you say. They mm-hmm. kind of they, they finish second bottom of the table, avoid relegation due to the fact that Airdrie went bust. But this is also the point that saw Alex Totten finish up as club manager. He was then re- replaced by but Ian McCall. What was your relationship like with, with Ian McCall? It was great. I really liked him. Um, I still like him. I think he's he's marmite though. He's very full on. He's very full on and knows exactly what he wants. Very sarcastic. Him, Coily, Yogi. That trio was like banter flying everywhere. You couldn't go in without. You would just expect it. It was banter flying. Whatever you had on attire, and I and I I, I kind of take took that into kind of the dressing rooms that I kind of ran. And I was kind of main um, characters in the dressing rooms. Right away, as soon as you walked in, whatever you had on, it was bang, there's a comment. Oh, where are you going tonight? And it was just constant. It was constant banner. And it made you grow up. It made you kind of 
he had he sank, sink or swim. He was thrown in a deep end, sink or swim. These were massive characters. Yeah. And own coil created that. He had really good experience along with youth like myself, Mark Kerr, um, and players like that. So you had to kind of just go on with it and you had to kind of fend for yourself and, and back yourself and throw some banter back at them, albeit have that still that respect for the kind of senior pros, you know. You've just touched on someone and I kind of feel like it's a apt time to bring it up just now. How much stick did Mark Kerr used to get about the fact he was a champ, <laughs> a champ man wonder kid? Do you know what the thing is? Um, I, never, I never played computers at all. My brother was constantly in it, constantly. And the computer still plays it to this day. He's two years older than me. And he was champ man, champ man. He's like, Kerzo, Kerzo's brilliant. Kerzo's unbelievable. And I don't, see, to be honest, I don't think Kerzo played it either. <laughs> Everybody, everywhere we went, it was like, Mark Kerzo, you're brilliant in champ man. You're this, you're that. And he just, it just, it went everywhere with him. And it's, it's so funny because we're just we're best mates, and it's like, oh, you're really good in that game. It's it's weird. It was strange, but he knew it. He knew it himself. Um, it's just one of those things. It'll always it'll always be tagged with Kerzo, and he yeah. still gets it to this day. Exactly. We we laughed about this the other day because obviously there was the Fergie statue unveiling at Petodre not long ago, and we did a wee thing out about like, what do you want to see next for like you know the next statue? Like non serious answers only, please for like former <laughs> Aberdeen players. And somebody posted Mark Kerr holding a copy of Champ Man 2002. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be delighted with yeah, that. Still <laughs> delighted with so. that, yeah. Um, yeah. The next season, you kind of touched on it again. Um, much improved for Falkirk. You you win the first division, nine clear points from Clyde. Promotion denied, though, because um, Brockville doesn't meet the criteria at the time. I think Falkirk requested to ground share it at Airdrie, I think, from recollection. And that was rejected. Hey, I'm not, I'm not sure. Do you know what? It's a total blur for me. I was a young boy. I didn't really look too much into it. I right. just loved playing football. Um, when I look back at it and people ask me about it, I think I didn't really take any notice of what was going on. I was just wanting to play football and I don't even know where they were asking, but it was a pretty rubbish rule, to be honest. Like you see, and, and it comes up on my Facebook in memories and stuff like that, the Falkirk uh, Hearts game in the Scottish Cup. Yeah. We absolutely pa- we packed that stadium, battered Hearts, a good Hearts team. Um, all credit to them, or all credit to us, sorry, for battering a very good Hearts team. Yeah. And we could have easily went up with that stadium. Brockville was brilliant. See, when it was packed, it was the, the atmosphere inside, it was incredible. I was just going to ask you, how did you find playing at Brockville? Because I mind going to Brockville. It was like, a proper marmite ground as well. See if you love your football. <laughs> yeah. What a place to go to. But I mean, it was like, if we're being polite about it, it was a shithole, but it was oh, fantastic it was, it was fall, as a it football. It was falling apart. It was yeah. falling apart. <laughs> but what a place. I remember Aberdeen played there in the run-up to the, the the end of the 95 season where we were on our great escape run. You know, we were on the verge of being relegated and I think we won 3-1 at Brockville on the, on the final day of the season. And the place was just jammed. Falkirk were like mid-table comfortable yep. no danger yep. place with about 8,000 Aberdeen fans in it because we had to win that night and it was just uh-huh. an unbelievable atmosphere what a place it was incredible well, like you say it, it was falling apart see like within the stands so I was mm-hmm. obviously a YTS a youth player coming through and it was a great place best days of my life as a footballer there and the great kind of team spirit and we had a great really good youth team as well but we used to go we used to obviously clean the boots and stuff and we used to go within the stadium it's all old, really old wooden structure that we used to play with a game called Stary, right? Basic as it comes, wooden stairs all the way up, wooden framing all over the place, and you used to hit it off the stair and it would bounce off 
old toilet signs and all this, and you two touch to get it back on the stair and back. What a laugh we had. But see, the thing is, when you think back at it, if we'd have, if we'd have hit anything at any force, that whole place could have, <laughs> could have collapsed. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, but no, they were, they, were, they were great times, really good times. Um, and I think back and fond, fond, fond memories. As Gaz made mention, the, the season's good for Falkirk. And for you, it's impressive as well. It's 19 goals in 44 appearances across the campaign. Sees you named the Scottish Football League's Young Player of the Year as well. Um, at that stage, I remember this well because I was hired a paper around at this point. And so I was late because I'd be reading the back pages all the time. Uh, Steve Patterson's taken over Aberdeen. It's widely reported that they're interested in you. Of course, transfer negotiations. You had a couple of years left in your deal. Uh, with Falkirk not getting promoted, did you feel it was time for you to move on, or were you were you frustrated, or were you just enjoying your football? Yeah, no. At the time, obviously, when we didn't get promoted, we started losing players, key players, and it didn't look as if we were going to replace them. And I felt it was time for me to move on. Whether it was um, a team in Scotland or down south, the the Bristol thing came up, and I thought, why not? Why not take a chance? I didn't know much about English football. At all, and I just thought, Fuck, do you know what? I might as well just go for it. Might as well just go for it. And I did. I can remember there being interest um, with Aberdeen, but I felt I just I wanted a completely different challenge. I was so young at the time as well. And I think back, <laughs> my God, <laughs> going down there all by myself. It was all paper talk. But was there ever any like concrete like transfer biz from Aberdeen that you were aware of? Not that I can think of. No, because no. I think there was a figure on my head. I think there was. It was either 250 or 350 grand. And yeah. I don't think there was a, a club in Scotland that would have paid that, if I'm honest. I was obviously really young and didn't think there was anybody going to pay it. And obviously, Wigan were going to pay it and, and Bristol City were going to pay it. And that's what it kind of came down to. And I kind of, I just didn't think Falkirk at the time were going to do what they'd done last season. And that's what I was used to. You know what I mean? A really good team playing and a really good team. And I thought, for my career, I need, I need to move on from this and, and kick on if I want to go anywhere with my career. Like you say, it's Bristol City, uh, who are of League One, but still a big club. They pony up, which is the word Gary's decided to use here, um, <laughs> the 300 grand, and you make the move down south uh, during that summer. It's a goal on your debut for the Robins in a 5-0 win over Notts County. We've spoken to a number of strikers, I'm guessing that was a big settling goal for you, especially as you said, you've made this huge move by yourself at such a young age. Yeah, it was, it was great. I, I remember the debut well, Notts County. It was a scorching hot day at Aston Gate. And, and I'm not renowned for goals outside the box. I think it might have just been inside the box, but I'm five yards, six yards, seven yards striker. So to score on my debut, only top corner, it's, it, was, it was a dream start. It was a dream start. It didn't, the, film, the season didn't go to plan. Um, I was very much... A young boy get down there, no fear at all, thrown in at a deep end, um, and done relatively well. Never played as much as I probably thought I deserved, um, but no, it was it was an experience. It, it made me grow up really quickly. Put it that way. <laughs> you just kind of touched on. It. I mean, the season sees I think Bristol City finish third, missing out on automatic promotion by uh, just one point, and then get to the playoff final, which is then a one 0 defeat to Brighton at the Millennium Stadium. Your first season, you kind of touched on it there. I think you made like 48 appearances in total, got about nine goals. Did you feel like it, for a debut season in a new league, a new environment, that that was 
a pretty decent return for you? Um, I never, throughout my, my full career, I, ne- I was never really that greedy striker who, if I was one of my goal and somebody in a better position, I would square it yeah. all day long. And that's probably worked against me a little bit. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. I, I love setting people up, my strike partner up and stuff. There's a lot of strikers don't pass to their strike partner in the box. I would rather get the goal and get my team, get my team in. It's just the way I was. I think it was maybe because I was brought up a midfielder. I was never that greedy poaching goal scorer. Yeah. Um, albeit I did get top scorer now and again at different clubs. But maybe if I was a wee bit more selfish, I would have had maybe a better season in terms of goals return. Um, but no, it, it was relatively good season, good start. The the playoff final was gutting, absolutely gutting because I, I never played the, the semi-finals leading up to it. Um, I was in the squad, was up the stand, um, and then injuries, suspensions, played the final, got thrown in the final. I thought, whoa, 70,000 at Millennium Stadium was an incredible, incredible experience, albeit yeah. a bad experience in the end because um, we could be 1-0, but um, no, it was it was it opened my eyes to English football and set me in good stead for for the next chapters in my career. And at the end of that season, Danny Wilson, uh, he leaves Bristol City. He was the guy who also brought you to to City mm-hmm. in the first place. He's replaced by Brian Tinian, and you kind of start the initial first set of fixtures under under him, and then but come the start of I think it's about October time, opportunities start to become a bit more limited for you. Was this just a case of a new manager coming in, just not fancying you, or? Something else kind of in the background there. Yeah, me, me and Tins played played together in that, and I knew I knew that managers coming in, a fresh manager coming in, is wanting their own faces. I want to put their own stamp on it. That's fine, totally fine, and we were totally honest with everything about it, and that's why the move came up for me to go away, and um, because I wasn't going to get the first team opportunity there, <laughs> which is totally fine. Don't hold grudges against anybody. I love my time at Bristol City, and um, but things happen. New managers come in. That's that's what happens. You want. And your striker is your main kind of priority. You want somebody that's going to score your goals, go yeah. 10 to 20 goals a season, you know. By the time January rolls around, you eventually sign on loan, uh, coming back to Scotland to sign for Hearts until the end of the season. Was there anyone else in Scotland interested in you? And if so, what made you pick Hearts? Um, not that I can remember. Not that I can remember. Um, Hearts was... I jumped at the opportunity um, to work with John Roberts and work at a, a club like Hearts was was really appealing to come back up to Scotland um, and kind of restart my career, if anything. And that was, it was such a, a purple patch for myself in terms of goals to games. Um, and I, I remember it, I remember it so fresh in terms of the way I felt in training, the way I felt. And I think it was probably to do where I was on loan. I didn't have massive pressure. Always, You always put yourself under pressure, but I played with a freedom and John Robertson instilled that in the players. Just go out and play. Yeah, he had tactics and stuff like that, but seeing you in that final third, go and express yourselves. And I think that showed um, with our performances and the goals that we scored and the play that we had. And no, I, I loved my time at Hearts. Really, really loved it. Um, the fans really taken to me as well and Scored in my debut, coming on off the bench against Dundee United. Um, everything about it. And even, albeit I'd, I'd started my career at, in Scotland, I never had played at the big clubs and the big ah, venues. Course, yeah, yeah. I, I scored, I remember it well. I scored the first, my first touch, I think it was the second half, first touch of the ball, scored the tap in, 
ran away and didn't realise that was the way stand. I ran away to the Dundee United fans, <laughs> celebrating, thinking, "Oh shit!" I'm <laughs> 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 doing the main stand because I wasn't, I wasn't clued up with um, all the kind of Scottish venues and stuff, which I probably should have been <laughs> into that. <laughs> Remind us, was that one? Like, that's the very beginning of Romanov being in charge of Hearts, isn't it? He literally just came in, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and. I can't remember the chief exec's name. Um, but yeah, it was just a kind of whole change up of everything. And uh, it was strange because there was games, there was games against Lithuanian teams coming over every week. Mm-hmm. Every week. Oh, really? And it was a it was a proper kicking match. And we used to we played now and again in them, like the younger ones of the first team, now and again, but the other times we would watch them and it was an absolute <laughs> kicking match. Everybody just fight because the Scottish guys, obviously being there, knew that Romanov was coming in, wanted to bleed these players in. So they're coming out. So they were fighting for their jerseys. So Scottish fans were fighting again. It was basically a, a scrap. A scrap at the Orium. That's how it was. Did you uh, did you meet Vlad? I didn't know. No. No, I didn't meet him. No. I didn't meet him, no. No, no contacts. I've got no story, stories behind that. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, you talked about how the fans at Hearts took to you. I mean, it's still there to this day. I don't know if you saw this. Um, you know, Robert Borthwick off of the terrace. Uh-huh. He tweeted out just the other day about how much he loved you as a player. And he, he, he'd found one of the, the clips of you scoring. I can't remember who it was against, but it's still there. Those Hearts fans still uh, still enjoy that six months you spent there. I'll tell you who it was against. It was against Kilmarnock. <laughs> Cross <laughs> That's the one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably the best goal I've scored in my career, to be honest. And it was just, I, I remember it. I remember the whole, you probably get that yourselves in different occasions, different moments, the way you feel, what you taste, everything about it. I remember how I felt getting into every single game. I was going to score. I felt as if everything I touched, I was going to score. And normally, I wouldn't have t- taken that shot on. But it just sat up and you mm-hmm. think, you know what? You know what? I'll score this. Aye, um, and that's that's what happened. And I scored a lot of decent goals that season. I remember playing against Celtic um, away from home, and I had no fear at all. All these players, Bobo Baldi, Jackie McNamara, all the kind of big, massive players, Sutton's, Hartson's, the rest of it. And I was getting in there, just playing my freedom, scored one, set up one with a no look pass through to Mark Burchill. <laughs> I, d- I didn't care. And I was coming away, getting man of match against all these superstars and thinking, Oh, cool. okay. I just love playing. I just love playing football, and that's that's how it was. And I remember I had sunbed, bleached hair, bleached highlights, and all that, the, the mullet and stuff. Um, think it was absolutely brilliant. But I remember, um, so we're up to nil, and Jackie McNamara, who obviously I played at Aberdeen with, I remember him raking the back of my calf. So I told him, "What are you doing?" He's like, "You, you fucking sunbed, you pretty." I'm like. But I'm just I'm just playing football. He's like, ah, you fucking man. I was like, whoa. And I said to him years later, I said, what was that all about? I said, I was fucking raging. <laughs> I was raging. <laughs> he just came here, patch, and beat us, and we're beating us comfortably. Um, I was just raging. I had to, I just had to take my frustration. He raked the back of my calf. He studs. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Maybe just jealous he couldn't do the mullet himself, you know? That's it, exactly. The pure mohawk <laughs> mullet with a... Uh, Straight in the GHD straighteners coming at the back there, right? <laughs> Madness. I mean, like you say, it's a, it's an incredibly successful spell. It's 11 goals and 23 appearances. Uh, a goal, Parkhead, as you've just mentioned. 
and suddenly there's a lot of interest in you. Um, before we get talking about the the transfer that, su- that subsequently happened, was there any idea for you about going back to Bristol City to, to earn your place there, or had you kind of made your mind up that it was time to move on? Nah, nah, I was, I was, I was invested in Scottish football from then. I didn't want to go back down. Um, if I had to go back down, I would have done it and I went in the merry-go-round, but no, I had a taste for Scottish football, the top flight, and I wanted more of it. Uh, playing against your Rangers and Celtics and the atmospheres and the, the big players that were up here, I wanted to be part of that, yeah. Hearts clearly want to make the transfer permanent. There is chat about an agreed fee, but Bristol City apparently went back on their word and upped the money after your, after your spell, shall we say. It comes down to a three-way race, apparently, between Hearts, Dundee United and Aberdeen. And as fate would have it, the final league game of that campaign, it's Hearts visiting <laughs> Clint Audrey. Oh, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. You know yeah, what we're talking about. Uh, Aberdeen win the game 2-0. I think we needed to win the game like five or six to get third, but didn't yeah. quite work. Uh, so we miss out on European football in Jimmy Caldwell's first season. But the game is remembered for the reason that you're probably laughing at. <laughs> the home fans making overtures to presumably, I think, well, it's the reason I was doing it, convince you to sign for Aberdeen it's the first and only time I can think of an opposition player who was not an ex-Aberdeen player yeah. having positive chances it's the only time I can think of it happening out with like Ronaldo when he scored the hat-trick for Real Madrid <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't use me in the same sentence Ronaldo come on I've just done it I'm the original Ronaldo as well that must have been all very um, very strange do you know what? It was so bizarre. And again, I was telling somebody in my shop the other day about this whole scenario. Um, it was actually surreal. Um, I don't think anything was sorted by then, uh, what I can remember. But for me to be playing with Hearts, <laughs> not of any affiliation with Aberdeen, to come off, I actually came off, I think, I don't know if it was 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go or whatever, yeah. five minutes to go come off and I sat down and it was one Lee Miller from <laughs> that away support I was looking around thinking oh my god this is mad what an atmosphere um, it was crazy it was it was really surreal really surreal the whole the whole thing about it for me my decision was and see when I look back at it right see when I went up to Aberdeen I didn't realise how big the club was. I'll be honest. I'll be genuinely honest with you. When I was up there, I was my eyes were opened to an incredible club. But at the time, my thinking was Dundee United in Europe. I've worked with the manager before. I knew a lot of the players. So in terms of all that, I put that in the package and thought, you know what? That's that's the club I, I need to go to just now. Um, whether it was the right decision or not, I, you'll never know. You'll never know. But um, it was it was an incredible experience coming off being a Hearts player having Aberdeen <laughs> fans singing your name wow. <laughs> wow I do remember turning it was either turning to Gav or it might have been to Graham I remember turning to one of them and being like this is going to look really fucking bad when he doesn't actually sign for us like this will look this is a proper fucking ready <laughs> this is like and oh, then man. I sure enough you know Sure enough, I'm going to say we've done United in the first game of the seasons, Aberdeen, yeah, <laughs> Dice. Oh, it's... I, I remember the chance being directed, you being very different that day. Aye, that was um, <laughs> just, about, 
Aberdeen fans were still singing about me, but it, just, it was, it was uh, very different. Slightly different, different, as I recall. Um, <laughs> and just to rub salt into the wounds of the Aberdeen supporters, um, you score as well. Um, a game ended 1-1 thanks to a debut goal from uh, Barry Nicholson. Barry Nicholson, yes, that's right. I don't remember if Lee gave us the get it right up here, but I think there was certainly a... No, no, no. I just feeled away with my arms out. But it was in front of the Aberdeen fans. But, in all fairness, it was in front of the Aberdeen fans, but they probably took up most of the stadium. So that was pretty hard not to be in front of Aberdeen fans, if that this makes sense. True. Had you worked out your bearings yet? Because you, you weren't sure about uh, yeah. like, where away yeah, fans were. No, I did. I did. Because we had a couple of... With a couple of European games leading up to okay. us, I kind of knew. But, um, <laughs> but no, it was incredible atmosphere. Those games themselves at Tannadice, the fact that Aberdeen filled that full yeah. stand and behind at the shed, it, it created an unbelievable atmosphere. There was something especially about this particular era. I think running from around here to about, I want to say about 2012, 2013, probably actually till, till United actually dropped out of the league. Mm-hmm. All those games, there was just always something about them, those United Aberdeen, yeah. especially at Tannadice. Yeah, they were. They were, yeah, they were. Such a fantastic atmosphere. There were tasty fixtures. <laughs> a few tackles flying in. That was because it always felt like it was the first game of the season. Yeah. yeah. Tannadice mm-hmm. away always felt like it was the first game. Yeah. Um, we don't need to talk too much about this season because it's an Aberdeen podcast, so we don't need to talk about Dungeon United. But United finished up ninth in the table that yep. year um, they're knocked out of the cups at the first opportunity both time we're just rubbing it in here for any United fans that decide to want to listen to us um, <laughs> Inverness in the League Cup in the first round and then a sensational comeback by Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup um, sees us 2-0 down at half time come back 3-2 Richie Byrne corner in the uh, Richie Byrne turned into Bobby Carlos for the afternoon <laughs> I love that <laughs> remarkable <laughs> stuff um, you make 38 appearances for United that season, scoring eight goals, finishes top scorer for them. Um, Gordon Chisholm, oh, wow. yeah, I Gordon Chisholm that season, absolutely murder that season. So I was can't even believe I got a move to, <laughs> got a move to Aberdeen. United were close to even more murder, to be fair. Um, oh. Gordon Chisholm goes in January, that led to Craig Brewster taking over. What was your relationship with Craig like? Fantastic. <laughs> 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 no, do you know what? The thing is, I, I got on fine with Big Brew. Um, we just, something happened that we just clashed. We just didn't see eye to eye. I don't know if it was partly my my fault. I didn't buy into everything he was trying to do at the club. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We just, he tried to take me under his wing and we just, there was a bit of friction there and we just didn't go on. That, that was it. That's the kind of, the, the long and short of it. I kind of figured that may be the case and I hadn't had this as a question but then what's your reaction like when he rocks up at Pataudry as a player again all of a sudden like 18 months later? Do you know what? It's so funny the story behind this as well. So Jimmy obviously Jimmy calls me into the, the office right <laughs> and he's like ah oh, you didn't make my head down all right shit down shit down shit down so he's chatting and he's like right just wanted to run this by you before before it happens you know like what, what's your thoughts on Big Brew coming up? And I just laughed I just <laughs> went you're are you being serious here? He's ah, big bruise, fine, he's brilliant. I said, listen, <laughs> you're the manager, do what you need to do. And then, next couple of days, he was, he was in the door. Honest to God, I thought, it's football, you just, it is what it is. But when he was playing in front of me, I thought, oh my God, 
what is going on here? And the boys used to cane me for it. They used to <laughs> slaughter me for it. And Seve and Daz Mackie and that, they stitched me up an absolute kipper as well. So obviously there was loads of banter at Aberdeen. Daz Mackie, um, who's other ones? There was loads just proper banter, cups of water over the door, walking in, spill over people. It was just, it was constant. It was brilliant because everybody was together. So times <laughs> Brew had went for his lunch and um, so he, had a, he had a big crazy shirt big colourful crazy uh, shirt that he wore into training I was like you need to get that on you need to get that on uh, I'm like right right okay right I'm getting it I'm doing it so as I've went to grab the shirt and pull it off Bruce walked in and I went uh, alright <laughs> hey what's that <laughs> and the boys are like you fucking idiot you are just caning and slaughtering us I'm like oh my god they're stitching you up massively and I took it Took the bait. Big Brew was fine. He was like, ah, I could ban on that. Ooh. But <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't. Do you know what? It, it probably should have been awkward. We just got on with our professional footballers. We just do what we need to do. The banter flies bang forward. Boys used to rub me for it every single game they played in front of me. But that is what it is. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that Dundee United team you're a part of, it features a number of future Aberdeen players. I mean, there's, including the aforementioned Craig Brewster. You know, we're talking Stuart Duff, Mark Kerr, Charlie Mulgrew, Lee Mayer, yeah. Barry Robson, Stevie Crawford, and then one who would go on to become Aberdeen manager, Derek McInnes, of course. Yeah, of course. I, God, I didn't realise it was that many. That's mine. Good yeah. start. Really good start. So by the start of the next we don't camp... We muck about here, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> do our research. <laughs> it's not always accurate, but we do it. No, um, <laughs> by the start of the next campaign, it's fair to say that you're not really... In the plans at Dundee United, and it's announced on the last day of the August transfer window that, I think if I remember correctly, it was basically a report that Aberdeen had effectively taken over your contract, and you make the move to the north. So tell us, how did that come about? Yeah, so <clears throat> there was talk about, I can't remember if there was any other teams involved, but um, I think there was <clears throat> there was talk of a player going, I think it was maybe Daz Mackey, going south, me getting up there, money being exchanged, whatever it was. I remember eventually. Yeah. I think it eventually just kind of, kind of just got to the stage where Dundee United wanted me out. Um, that was it, basically. So I, I get a phone call to go up there. I had never driven up to Aberdeen. I didn't know it. I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to get to the stadium. Nothing. So my son Lennon, um, he was he must have been only six days old. Something like that. He must have been five or six days old. So in the car we went with the wee fella up we went. I think it must have been. Nine ten o'clock at night. Jimmy wasn't even there. Jimmy was in Magaluf. Um, so no jokes, no jokes. So I've got up there. Can't even remember who met me. It might have been uh, Stephen Gunn or somebody else. I can't even remember. Anyway, we were there and we we're chatting about the different things, this and that, and we had everything sorted and everything was good to go. And so I signed and oh, there's Jimmy on the phone. So he's going on the phone. Ah, it's probably not being bored. Nah, it's probably uh, this and that. I'm like, I'll see you when I see you when I'm back. And that was that. That was it. That was that. Um, it's back down the road and then obviously my career with Aberdeen started for there. But it was just, it happened so quickly. Um, it was a no-brainer for me, like knowing the size of Aberdeen and going up there and realising it. And it was, it was incredible, yeah. I was going to say, was there any hesitation at all? Because obviously you've, you've been linked with Aberdeen twice. Fans can develop mm-hmm. opinions without having seen you, not knowing your situation, the reasons why yep. you make the decisions you make. Is there any hesitation or, if, as you say, it was just 
Aberdeen, no brainer. No, no. Having played against them um, for the two seasons before that, and understanding the fans, the crowd, everything about it is such a massive, massive club. No, there was no hesitations at all. The only the thing was the travelling. Um, my partner at the time was from Glasgow. It was it was difficult to get up and down and stuff like that. I stayed in Perth when I was at Dundee United just to travel through. For the first year when I was at Aberdeen, I used to travel up from Dundee, eh, from Dundee, from Perth. And then eventually when I signed the contract, an extension of the contract, I moved up to Aberdeen and loved it. Loved my time up there. And this, of course, sees you link up with Jimmy Calderwood and Jimmy Nickel. So um, yes. when Jimmy's not, you know, flying future recruitment past you tell us uh tell us all about the, those two guys brilliant absolutely brilliant um a breath of fresh air and just the way they can uh, bounce banter off each other and obviously sandy clark as well Aye, of course, um, yeah. and that mix everything about it was just just a warm club Um the banter the welcome i got up there and albeit i never i never scored for the first don't know maybe you guys will tell me for the first Good few games. I hadn't scored a goal, but I was still contributing yeah. to the team. We were still getting results and we're still playing. I was still playing well. But the fact if you're a fan and you've got a striker going up there, you wanted me to score goals. Uh, you know, and I wasn't scoring, but I was still I was still playing okay. But that was kind of playing on it. And I remember my first goal uh, well, and it was I don't know where I produced this turn from in the box. Big Rob Jones turned him inside out, left foot finish. Thought, here we go. And then I just kicked on from there, which was great. Um, but no, I, I loved it up there, and it's it's. Uh, I look back at it fond memories. Yeah. When you said it was a warm club, was that just off of Jimmy's sunbed? I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know every um, every preseason he used to used to go a different places, and I used to come back, and he would be mahogany, <laughs> oh, mahogany was... with blisters all over his lips. <laughs> Honestly, what a what a special guy, man! What I, a special I, guy. I can't remember what season it was, but we played a preseason game at Huntley, mm-hmm. and he was standing in the dugout and behind him was like a mahogany (laughs) dugout. Like you literally couldn't see him. You only knew he was there to feel like a white shirt or something. You know, it was like absolutely ridiculous. Unbelievable, Um, but great, great character. Great character. Him and Jimmy Nickel were were sensational together. So yeah, I mean, it's a debut for you in the the next home game. It's a 1-0 defeat to Celtic. You're pretty much straight into the regular starting 11 with Jimmy. Was that something they'd kind of made very clear to you that you were going to be first choice when you came in? Yeah, basically, one, no, I wasn't, I was under no illusions. I was going up there to fight for my place. Um, there was good strikers up there, as Daz Mackey, Stevie Lovell, um, who obviously went up there at the time. He's terrible. Uh, but no, we were all fighting out for that, those one or two positions. Normally played with two strikers, which was yeah. good. Obviously, me being the target man and, couple of nippy strikers in, in and around us, Steve Loveland, Daz Mackey. Um, but no, it's it's one of those things hit the ground running in terms of play-wise. Um, not scoring as many goals as I probably should have or wanted to. Um, but no, it was it was great. It was it was a really strong side. I look yeah. back at some of the games that we played in and, and think that squad should have done so many more things. Trophies, we should have we should have done something. It was disappointing from that point of view. Well, come on to some of that, don't worry. <laughs> um, but was that kind of where they saw your strengths as well as being that kind of link-up target yeah, man, definitely. kind of yeah. area to, to play off of um, Stevie Lovell, Darren yeah. Mackey? That's what they kind of focused, that's where they thought you should be doing. Yeah, and and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed playing as a two. Me taking all the hits, getting the fouls, flick-ons, whatever it is. 
done that throughout my career and I quite enjoyed it. I've got the bumps and bruises to um, prove it. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that I liked, a little large combination, nippy striker roundabout, a tall kind of target man. It's something I enjoyed um, playing too. And I think the team kind of thrived off of that. With with midfielders that could score goals as well. You'd your Scott Severins, you'd have Barry Nicholson, you'd yeah. um, Jamie Smith as well, um, who would yeah. sometimes feature up front as well if he wasn't injured. <laughs> 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 Say, says me, he's been injured for the past three years or so. <laughs> but no, no, I loved it. I loved everything about it. April 2007, skate. What happened there? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? This is oh, honestly getting blown out of proportion so much. I was getting absolute dogs abuse from the Dundee United fans. I was on the bench at the time. I think Boo was taking my position. Um, no doubt. So I was, right, no doubt. Experience and all that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was on the bench. We were pinging the ball about and used to mess about. So I never fully, fully mooned, right? I kind of pulled my shorts down a wee bit so you could see my butt crack, right? That was it. And then I Kid on the jump up for a header. My t-shirt goes up. My my strip goes up. You see a wee bit of my bum. That was it. Just for banter, the kids. Hey, After the game, uh, John Morgan pulls in. Uh, we've just we've just a police complaint about you. What are you talking about? He's like, aye, aye. Somebody's complained about you. Well, pff, do you want me to complain about the dogs abuse I was getting for the rest of the fans? Come on, man. Get a grip. It was just a bit of banter. If you can't, you, you should be able to. If you're giving banter to a player, you should be able to take the banter back. It was just a wee bit of jest, Absolutely. as they say. So I get blown out of proportion. So that was arsecape, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, the less said about the Scottish Cup that season, the better. Oh. But the uh, the league form is strong and Aberdeen heads Tynecastle with three games remaining. And the battle for third place, four points clear of the Jambos. A late, late, late Barry Nicholson equaliser keeps the Dons in pole position. I mean, I remember at the the celebrations, told the story of a squad that thought they'd really done it there. Um, your memories of this game and what was the reaction like in the dressing room afterwards? Amazing, amazing, um, unbelievable achievement, unreal achievement um, from the players. Obviously, um, the whole season we we'd done so well, and obviously you say about the, the cup stuff and that, so it kind of put us in a downer. And then it was a to- it was a complete roller coaster, roller coaster ride. But I remember. Last seconds of the game, the ball gets trundled across. Barry nicks in at the back post. And I think it's Craig Brewster playing as a auxiliary right winger, isn't he? I I think he came on for me. <laughs> I think he on. He's a difference. He is a difference. <laughs> he came on for me. Did did Barry did Baz get sent sent get off? Sent off. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. taking his t-shirt. T-shirt. Because yeah, yeah. Jimmy was fucking raging, raging. And the thing is, see, I, 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 I've never to this day got why a player takes a top off oh, right see, see if they've got a massive build and they're going to flex and all that but Baz had a wee vest on he's jumping about with this wee vest like, here we go <laughs> I mean you take it off of your absolutely ripped to shreds like your Ronaldo's and all that but he took it off in a wee crazy shitty vest on like that here we go and then he kind of tried to scramble it back yeah. on and I, I couldn't remember if he got sent off or not but I, I, I do I remember it now um, Jimmy was raging. What the fuck you doing? What the fuck you doing? <laughs> it's funny because he, 
as soon as he's gone off, he realizes what he's just done, and it's like she's and trying, trying to get it back. He's piled under all the players, and like I, trying to get it back yeah. on. As if, as if nobody's seen him, he's just like, trying to get it back <laughs> on. He's got his wee little oh. rap scene his bit on, and it's just. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was gonna say, what one man calls a trundling cross, another man calls precision. <laughs> Absolute pass of the the season. <laughs> Defeat at Parkhead a week later meant that Aberdeen had to look to beat Rangers on the last day of the season to clinch that UEFA Cup spot. And we did. No questions about it. A fine 2-0 victory in the May sunshine. Front of just over 20,000 people secures Aberdeen their first spot in Europe since 2002. I mean, the atmosphere that day, it was electric. Two goals, a screamer from Scott Sever on the half volley. Yeah. Steve Lovell um, off a Darren Mackey ball through. Sets the yep. scene for the day ahead. Um, your recollections of that game and uh, yeah, the celebrations afterwards. Oh, amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, the strike for Sevi alone, I think, was it Mc, was it McTaggart was in goals? No, it was. Yeah, mean? it was. Yeah. yeah, to be a keeper of that stature as well with the strike foot, say the ball. Sevi could do that left and right foot as well. He had an unbelievable strike on him, and he'd, I've seen him doing it so many times. But I think I'd done well to actually get out of the way of it. I was in the way of it. You see, ah, you kind of duck about it. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, I shot myself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, the, the celebrations and that afterwards was, was crazy. I remember looking back at a picture, actually, I've got a kind of jester hat on and, uh, what is it, Xander Diamonds again. I think I've got a jester hat and Xander Diamonds and I are jumping about the place and that. So, no, it was, it was really good. It was really, I think at one point, and this was the next again season, actually, I think somebody put in a complaint because I'd, I'd done the I'd done the lap of the pitch afterwards and we're clapping away and stuff like that and we're taking flags and scarves and stuff. And I had fallen, Xander had jumped to me and I'd fallen, I had my flip-flops on, but I got up and I kind of kicked my flip-flops off into the crowd just to get them. And I think one of them hit somebody in the head, in the face, <laughs> and the complaint came in next season, that pre-season, saying, eh, who wore that? I think it was a, an Adidas flip-flop, grey Adidas in the last day of the season. <laughs> so apologies if anybody's listening to this and I hit you in the face of a flip-flop. There we I go. I only apologise. <laughs> the reason I can so clearly remember it was Alan McGregor in goal and it upsets me this is not on any of the highlights is because, I don't remember if it was after the first goal or before it, but Steve Lovell gets played through and he wipes McGregor out. And then yeah, I, McGregor yeah. hesitates at Lovell's goal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yep. All, all good memories to say the very great least. Great finish with Stevie as well. Great finish uh, with Stevie. clip. It was great. Yeah. So it was. I mean, for you on a personal level, it's 34 appearances in all competitions, four goals, which, you know, it doesn't sound great, but you were definitely contributing to the team. There's no question. Is about that, that how many I scored? That <laughs> <laughs> was rubbish. <laughs> a lot of work out, out with the goal scoring. Um, I mean, it sounds like you, I already know the answer, but did you feel very settled in Aberdeen at this point? Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Everything about it. Um, just the whole family atmosphere, the fans coming together, even the crowd. Was it 20,000 you said there? In the yeah, last, pretty much a sellout. Yeah. 20,000 packed into Petrodio was an incredible, incredible atmosphere. Um, and just the sun beating down, the pitch was immaculate. Great game, great occasion to play and I loved it. Loved every minute of it. And that wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever on your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for episode 41. 
where we'll look back at our fixture with Livingston in the SPFL Premiership. We preview our fixture with Dundee at Pataudry. We check in on the women's team and our loanees and loan watch. And we bring you part two of our conversation with Lee Miller. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you by Anderson Quantity Surveying. AQS's exceptional contractor tendering and comparison service provides you with a professional tendering documentation for your contractors to quote against, allowing you to have a fully transparent and like-for-like tendering process, saving you money in the long run, avoiding hidden and unexpected costs at a later date, and ensuring you select the most appropriate contractor for your project. To find out more, give AQS a call on 01224 502 550 or email gary at andersonqs.co.uk